BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And he swings! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we have an awesome interview with one of the best prospects in baseball and the top prospect in the Chicago Cubs organization. That is Pete Crow Armstrong, center fielder, one of the best gloves you are going to see, just won the minor league gold glove for center field, and I mean, man, we talk about his defense, and also, you can see a little bit of that defense in the StreamYard breakdown we did on YouTube, which is linked in the podcast description. Oh my goodness, does he make some crazy, crazy plays out there in center field, but this was a phenomenal year for PCA, not only on the defensive side, but offensively. I mean, the guy hit 16 home runs, he stole bases, he mashed through low A, put up good numbers in high A, and is really solidifying himself as one of the game's most well-rounded prospects, and it's really hard not to like this guy, both as a person, as you'll hear in this interview, and as a player. He's hard-nosed, he's a grinder, and he has five-tool potential, but takes a lot of pride in the little things that seem to get lost sometime in today's game. Even in this short conversation, plus the additional conversation that we had for the uh, YouTube clip of going through his live at bats, it was very clear that this is a guy that is going to be a fan favorite in Chicago. And I can tell that Cubs fans are already very excited about PCA, but you can just tell that he has all of the ingredients to be that fan favorite at Wrigley Field, and I can't wait to see that happen. He is one of my favorite prospects in baseball. If you look at just baseball's top 100 list, he's inside the top 30, and he is going to continue climbing. He talks about some of the things he wants to work on going into next year, approach-wise, just overall game-wise. I can promise that his defense and center can't get much better, uh, but what he did with the bat this year after being injured in 2021 and then being traded during that recovery time to to come into this season or this past season, I should say, and do what he did in his first 
full year aside from the six games he played in 21 prior to the injury. It was really amazing and remarkable and impressive what he did as a high school guy making that jump to low A then high A. So this is a player that is going to be a good big leaguer for a long time and I think he's going to be a great big leaguer for a very long time and also really matches the passion and the energy that you get from Chicago fans. You know, you can tell winning is a priority and and getting up to the big leagues as soon as possible is something that I think is very feasible for him. I think he can get up by the end of next year if he continues on the trajectory that he's on. We talk about that and many, many, many more things. A reminder to subscribe to that call-up YouTube channel that I have linked in the podcast description. If you were quick enough to get to this episode on Friday night, you may have beat us to uploading that hitting breakdown with PCA. It's also on my Twitter, but if you're listening to this on Saturday or at some point over the next week, you will definitely be able to go to that YouTube and check out the hitting breakdown with both PCA and Mervis, and we're going to be doing a lot more of those on that channel. I'm going to be doing a lot more swing breakdowns, even just diving into different prospects throughout this offseason and a lot more unique prospect content on that YouTube. So if you could help us and help me grow that channel by subscribing to it as it's linked in the podcast description, that would be awesome. I'm really excited about the content we're going to be putting out on that call-up YouTube channel. Without further delay, here is the interview with Cubs top prospect and one of the best prospects in baseball, Pete Crow Armstrong. And here he is, top prospect in the Chicago Cubs system, Pete Crow Armstrong, also known as PCA, probably one of the best nicknames in the minor leagues right now. Pete, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Really excited to talk to you. Thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. Very happy to be here. So first of all, and I feel like this has been a trend, the last few guys I've had on the show have all had phenomenal years. And and I have to congratulate you as well on having a phenomenal year. Had your your fellow, I guess not teammate, you guys didn't overlap, but Matt Mervis, you will be teammates soon. Um, But organization mates, I guess the best way to say it, had him on. He just talks about how incredible you are as a baseball player. I think what you do on the field, both sides speaks for itself. But you had a phenomenal season after coming off of an injury, which we'll talk about a little bit, but how good did it feel for you just to get out there and do what you did and just take us through kind of what your emotions were after this season? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a lot to unpack there, but to, to briefly sum that up, like, I think it felt like a, like a bit of a breath of, of fresh air. You know, I think that um, going into the year, I removed all expectations for what I wanted it to, to be right. Like everything that I was uh, working back to, to getting to, you know, through rehab and everything, like I kind of just went clean slate, you know, and I felt like that was the best way to approach it. Um, and I think that left a lot of room for me to just enjoy my time back on a field. You know, I, it, it was, a it was a while since I'd last played and, you know, even longer since I'd been on like a, like a real team. So yeah, getting starting Myrtle and then being as successful as we were like just a great intro back into, you know, playing for me. So I, it was a breath of fresh air. I felt, I felt great, you know, and, and getting to sit down at the end of the year, um, you know, I'm still taking the time to kind of evaluate uh, all the ups and downs the, the, the whole year itself, but yeah, blessed for sure. So, you know, you, your first round pick, you're excited to get going. You have your first six games of, of your professional career where, I mean, you absolutely mashed. And, and I'm sure it was just as good of a start as you, you could have wanted back in 2021. And then you go down with the injury. And, of course, that was something that you know, 
it's early in your career. So there's never a good time to get hurt, but you know, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, you can work back from it. You know, this is just a delay of, of, of your process, but at the same time, it's like, man, you came out swinging, you were doing so well, and now you have to wait. Uh, how did you kind of manage that in terms of just, you were probably so excited to prove to, to Mets fans at the time that, that, you know, yeah. you were the guy and, you know, as the first round pick and going down with that injury, you know, how, how did you kind of keep yourself up and, and keep your head up and, and work back from that? Yeah. Um, I had, I had a good house I was living in, like as specific as that sounds like I, I had a really good group of, you know, at the, at the time it was, it was like five or six of us living together. Um, you know, like four of, of whom were, my low A teammates and then another guy that was also rehabbing. So to, to start, you know, I got, I, I went home for surgery and I got to spend time with my family, which was, I think a good catalyst to a, to a, you know, a, 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 as positive of a recovery as I could have had. Right. Like, absolutely. I think when I, when I first got the news, it was really tough. My first real major injury, um, you know, I was really excited to get going with the Mets, you know, I hadn't played in a while even then. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, I, I had to just, to process, but you know, like I'm not the first person to, to go through this. Right. So, uh, using my resources, I guess, being, you know, my, my friends and my, my family. And, and so I just talked to people as much as I really could or wanted to. And, um, the guys that I was with at the, at the time, uh, you know, in Florida, they, they helped get me through that as well. So, um, yeah, it sucked, you know, but I think a lot of people say the same thing. Um, but again, like, like anything else, you know, uh, you grind it out and, and I got through it. So, you know, end up getting traded and, and st- stuff all happens for the right reasons, man. I, I believe that more than anything. And I think I just let it all play out. Just went through my work like I was supposed to. And, and that's the thing, you know, we're, we're going to get to much more, more positive stuff now too. I wanted to just kind of set, set the stage of, of yeah, you know, yeah. leading into what was this phenomenal season that, you know, is really seeing you sh- for, for what it's worth, shoot up the prospect rankings, but also just shoot up, you know, where you want to be starting in low A, getting to high A, having success in high A, being set up to, to potentially be in double A next year and really make up for lost time, right? Because it's, you, you look at what you were able to do to climb those two levels or, or get up to high A, have 63 games under your belt there, prove that you can hit at that level and then, you know, have, be ready to go for potentially the upper levels next year. That the, the one last, like, I guess, hurdle I want to get to before we get to the smooth sailing is that trade, yeah. which I know you get asked about a lot. And, and I saw you did an interview, which was really fascinating, where you talked about Javi Baez and how, ironically, the way he plays the game was something that, you know, you kind of like to model yourself after with his passion and everything like that. Uh, there always is something about those one for one. I know it wasn't one for one because technically Trevor Williams went over there, too. But the right. one prospect for a big leaguer swap where there's just more of that focus on the prospect that was swapped. We saw it with, with, with Jared Kelnick all the time too, from the Mets. Right. And, and it's a Mets thing too. Mets fans are Mets fans for better and for worse. They're very passionate. Um, you know, d- did you feel any added pressure as you go from one crazed fan base for a good reason to the Cubs who are as passionate, knowledgeable, and, and basically everything that the Mets fans are. And then some, uh, did you feel any more pressure being traded as you're in your recovery process as well? Um, what was that like? Because that's pretty rare for you know a top prospect to get traded as they're recovering. Yeah, well, well, that that last thing, the the getting traded during that time, like specifically, I think was the biggest thing that I had to. Um, that I, I I guess it was the one thing that was on my mind the most. Um, like I I was literally, you know, I was we had the weekend off, um, 
And I was going on a boat with my buddy. He was in town. His family's got a place down by St. Lucie. And so we were just going to spend a couple of days on the boat and fish and stuff. And uh, obviously plans changed, but it was just like, whoa, I, I wasn't thinking about, you know, even playing. I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. If anything, we thought it was going to be uh, my, my teammate or a couple of my teammates, Mark Vientos, or like the people that were actually being talked about. Right. And I, I feel like I wasn't in all that many talks. So it was shocking, but like I said earlier, like things, you know, things play themselves out. And so I, I think that's what happened in that situation. But um, yeah, man, I think that it was, it was nice going to the Cubs organization at the time, all circumstances aside, you know, being a, a rehab guy, there was a lot of us there. Um, and it was a nice way to feel like I was quickly a part of the organization. Um, so I think any pressure from like the outside sources, like the fans or, uh, or the media or whatever completely disappeared. And they were, they were pretty non-existent until, you know, I went to uh, Wrigley a couple of times during the season and like Murph could tell you this too. I think that the fans at Wrigley are some of the most unbelievable people on the planet because yes. it's, it's, you know, the last home stand of the year against the Reds, neither teams competing, nothing crazy, right? 40,000, 46,000, 44,000 fans all three days of the homestand. And you're like, wow, like this is what I'm getting into. Right. So if anything, I think the fan base is going to make things more exciting. And, and, yeah. you know, it's, again, like, I think a lot of people can say the same thing. Like it just, it adds like another push for, you, you know, it adds to your drive. So I wouldn't say there is any pressure. I think all the pressure that's ever going to be, you know, really weighing down on me is going to come from myself. But again, that's like another thing you work through. So yeah, Chicago's, it's a great place to be, man. And I'm excited to, to continue to try and get up there, you know? I mean, it's amazing. It was specifically Merv talked about that in the interview earlier this week about that experience that you guys had. And also just how knowledgeable uh, these Cubs fans are about their farm system, about their prospects. Whenever I put out, you know, anything on the Cubs farm system, they eat it up and it does as well as anything we're going to put out at just baseball. But right. going to that organization that's really headed in a great direction and they've built a lot of organizational depth, a lot of talent there. And you can see what they're doing at the big league level. And seems yeah. like they're going to make some moves. That seems to be what the reports are, right? But you go to this org and, and they've done a good job lately of developing talent. And again, you, you're one of the many examples this past year of players who just seem to take that next step uh, over the course of the season. For, for you, it was really just getting on the field because we didn't even know what that step would be as we only had six games from you before that. So what was, what was working for you this season? Was there a little bit of, you know, shaking the rust off in the beginning, or did you feel like the bigger challenge came when you had to get to high a, because you're in low a for those listening who maybe don't have the numbers in front of you, 38 games, you hit 354, 443, 557. That's an even 1000 OPS, which just looks so nice, by the way. Right, and I you know, go up so. to high A and you put up great numbers there as, as a younger guy at that level, an 831 OPS at 287, 333, 498, hitting for power, stealing bases, and of course the elite defense and center. Was it harder shaking the rust off in low A or was it harder making that jump to high A, which you did pretty quickly, given that this was still your first real professional taste and, you know, full season ball? I think it took me a little long to get adjusted to high A by my standards. Um, but I brought that upon myself. I think I, I let um, I just let the change of scenery kind of dictate how I was hitting. And I think in Myrtle, one thing that I was doing really well was was walking. Um, yeah. 
you know, I'm, I, I swing a lot and I don't think that necessarily needs to change, but, um, I, I needed, I, I needed to walk more in high, I needed to work my bats and, um, you know, that's a great time for me right now to, to work on, on that, just, you know, kind of drilling it into me mentally, like, Hey, this is what you need to look for. This is what you do really well. Um, all that stuff. But then once I think that that became a little more relevant in, in my head, I think I, uh, you know, once I, yeah, once I started working my walks, I think that's when I started, you know, doing more damage, uh, uh, maximizing all the swings that I take, you know? Uh, and I think I did a good job of that in Myrtle. And again, a little, little slow start to, to that in South Bend. So something I always like to ask guys that, you know, have that speed and power combination, because I think a lot of people don't realize how much you can impact the baseball or at least some that don't watch you as consistently. They see, oh, speedy center fielder, you know, that that can spray yeah. the ball. But I, I don't know if you look at the exit velos that you put up some some big time exit velos and you've got some power as well. You know yeah. that. And especially to your pull side, you hit some bombs this year, but also it's it's a very special ability to be able to slap one on the ground and potentially beat it out when you're in a tough spot. You talk about feeling like you swing a little bit, you know, frequently, but also you put the bat on the ball a lot. How do you find that balance between just, you know, I can put the ball in play and there's a good chance I can beat it out, but also being patient and, you know, knowing that you can do damage. Is that something that you felt like you started to get a little bit of an idea of as this high A season went on? And, you know, yeah. what is, what is kind of your thoughts on that whole balance? Absolutely. You know, like as a hitter, there's, there's days where, you know, you're just, you're feeling great. Right. And, and you talk about those just being able to like slap one, like, you know, I think the days that I'm feeling great where it feels like I can, you know, I, I got, I, I talk about bullets. Uh, Dustin Kelly introduced this thought to me. Um, and whenever he was in town, uh, he would ask me, how many bullets do you have today? And if, if my answer was five, that means, all right, I can let it loose, you know, five times. If I'm really seeing it well, if I'm, if I'm feeling good, um, you know, some days it'd be more, some days it'd be less, but, what I had to realize was you should always be swinging to do damage to, to, to hit the ball as, as flush as you possibly can. Um, I just think that naturally as a hitter, like some days you can get away with, with letting it loose a little more and, and you get away with those, those hits where you're maybe reaching out and slapping something, but you know, being able to run, like I feel comfortable doing that sometimes. And on those days where I am feeling good, like I let the, you know, I let my feet work too. So I feel like I can, I can produce a lot more uh, if I'm putting the ball in play and, and making stuff happen with my legs. Um, but yeah, I, I learned that I, I, I'm somebody that always needs to be looking for that pitch that I can go hit a double on or a home run on, because if I can put a ball in the gap, you know, I'm running, I'm on second or third base. Uh, if I'm on second, I'm stealing third. Like that's, that's how I, you know, ended up kind of viewing uh, my offensive game is like shoot for doubles, like shoot mm -hmm. to shoot to extra base hit. And what were some of the, I guess, the biggest learning points that you had this year? You talk about the walking more and more patience, but maybe it was more mechanical with the swing. Maybe it was specifically just what you talked about already and you don't have to re rehash it. But was there anything that, you know, again, now that you were just finally able to get a beast, you get 471 plate appearances, you had 32 yeah. before that period. Uh, what was something that you learned about yourself maybe or something that you learned you were capable of or or that just made the game a little bit easier for you because this game is so damn hard. I mean, shoot, it's really easy to get down on yourself. Uh, 
there I, again, like I, I keep saying, like a lot of people could say the same thing, but just as baseball players, we're, we're a different kind of, you know, perfectionist because we got so like, we got so such great room for error, you know, but when you minimize that, that room for error, that's when, you know, you separate yourself and stuff like that. But I think for me, it was, it was being too quick to, to doubt something that I was doing. Um, and, and in turn, it's like, I, I, or I guess a better way to put this is like, I would watch certain teammates come back into the dugout after, after getting out and they could have looked silly. They could have squared a ball up and just hit it right to somebody. A lot of these dudes came back smiling or, or talking to somebody or talking to themselves. And a lot of times I think I let my emotions kind of distract me from the bigger purpose of, of winning. Right. Like I, I never wanted to be selfish, but I think there were times where I was. And so I think coolest learning experience for me was just being able to like watch teammates that I respected, you know, and mm-hmm. see how they on the field. Cause I really think that you could take something from everybody, man. Like, you know, I, I, Merv and I, when we get together, we have little conversations about that stuff too. And, you know, he's an emotional guy when he plays, <laughs> he wants to do really well. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, like I said, like watching the right guys and how they move, um, I think, uh, gave me a lot of added knowledge this year for sure. Yeah. I've, I've seen Merv go into the tunnel a couple of times. Um, yeah, it happens, man. Yeah. It happens. But like people that care, people that are emotional, like I think it's okay sometimes. Some people play better angry, you know? A hundred percent. And that's the yeah. thing is you kind of learn yourself through that, right? And uh, going into the defensive side of things, that's where there's not as much adversity because, it, you know, you could be a great outfielder and you know maybe make one or two mistakes a year. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it is hitting is so frustrating, as you mentioned, because even the best of the best are, are failing more than they're succeeding. But you are so good in the outfield. And that's something that, you know, I think has always been you know, one of the, the first things people say, Pete Kerr Armstrong, oh, incredible defender out there. But, you know, again, you showed what you can do with the bat as well. How much pride do you take in the defense, you know, and, and what does it mean to you to have that label? Of course, you want to be that five tool player, which, which I think, you know, you very much have shown you're capable of being. But how much pride do you take in that defense? Because I think it's very evident when you watch the video out there and we're going to go live on, on, on StreamYard and, and go over some of those catches. But I don't know if I've seen much like it in, in the minor leagues. I'm not just saying that to like butter you up. It, it, it's pretty wild. I appreciate it. Um, no, man, I, 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 I call, obviously I call myself a baseball player, but I call myself a, a defender. Like that is, you know, uh, something that I feel like just, it's a part of me. It's who I am, man. Like I, I picked to play the outfield. I got told to play the outfield when I was nine. You know, I, I really didn't like understand what it meant, what it, um, what importance it held on the field until I got a little older and I really started to take pride in, in the work, you know? And that's the thing is like, there's been hours of, of work put in on crafting myself into the best, you know, defender that I could possibly be. And that's the thing is that there's still plenty, you know, of, of work to be done and room to grow, but defense is just about my favorite thing to do in the world. So um, it's, it's, it's nice because I've been saying for a while that the power is going to come and I'm glad I get to show that now, but I'm also glad that I get to showcase a bigger set or a bigger sample size of, of defense now that I've played a whole year. And, um, it's always been something that, you know, if the bat's not there, like the glove will never leave me. Right. So I always have that to, to keep my game up, to keep my, my spirits up, to keep my focus in the game, in the bigger picture, like I was talking about earlier of winning. Um, 
it's kind of like it's a comfortable feeling knowing you can contribute on both sides, I guess. That that's an awesome thing. Cause I always think about that from like a DH's perspective or, or even a first baseman where it's, it's harder if you're not hitting, you know, you gotta, you gotta, it's harder to flush it maybe. So yeah. when you get out to center field, it, are you able to flush it pretty well and say like, you hit me a ball out here. I can make a difference. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Cause I, once I get out into the, you know, onto the, onto the defensive side of things, like my, my, my focus switch, my mindset, my mindset switches a little bit. Um, you know, you, you, I will say though, regardless of whether you're playing center field, first base, uh, I, I'd say maybe it's a little different as a catcher, but um, there's just a lot of time to stand and think. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think it's easy to get like looped into a, a little funk, but like, I think um, as, yeah, as you get older and mature, like it, it you, you start to figure that out. And so you, you yeah. go back out in the outfield with a, like a clean slate uh, defensive mindset. Uh, looking to make the next play, I guess. How different were the reads uh, when you go from high school and, and, you know, I'm sure you're, you're playing the showcase circuit. You're, you're seeing some really good hitters and that's off metal, but you know, going to, to low A, high A professionally, like how different were the reads for you? And, and, and what was that process like? Because w- the one thing that stood out to me when I was watching, you know, some of the video from your season, and by the way, I totally spaced on it. Congratulations on the minor league gold glove. I'm sure you will get Many more of those and, and, and big league gold gloves down the line as well. But I appreciate it. how different were, were the reads for you? Because your jumps really stood out to me. I felt like, you know, for, for the jumps, that was what really was the most impressive thing potentially is, is how easily you were able to kind of get those reads and go. Uh, how, how did you yeah. get there? Was it a lot of the, the live batting practice or, or, or what got you to that point? You know what? I, I actually, I got to tell you in high school, you know, the, the outfield, I mean, my outfield, my high school outfield, the the one that I spent like the majority of my my baseball time in was small. So my my high school coach being who he was, uh, ex outfielder, you know, loved that stuff. Like like he was he got fired up, you know, for defense and he, like, God, I, I I was probably 12, 13 when we first really started like getting after it outfield wise. And I'm telling you, man, like from 12, 13 on, I was playing so shallow. Like he wanted you to get really good at going back, going over your head. Cause that's the hardest thing to do as a, as an outfielder, in my opinion. And so I think what actually, you know, made things, made things easier was like the depth that I was actually playing it. Cause I, I obviously scooted back. Dudes are stronger guys hit the ball way further, obviously. Um, and so just adjusting that depth and I found a really comfortable spot in the outfield that I kind of liked. Uh, to where I could really see the whole field and everything. And, you know, I, I, I also had to kind of realize too, like it doesn't change all that much, you know, like the way you see the ball off the bat, it's really no different in my opinion. Um, so I don't think all that much actually changed. I just think that like the work that I did growing up and um, obviously that I've continued to do, but like playing shallow and getting good going backwards, I think really set me apart. I have two catches specifically where you do exactly that. And, and it's really impressive. So I'm excited to go over that with you. But uh, the other thing too, that, that I really think about with, with what you're able to do in center is you, know, you have finally this, this world of where we can see the value that that brings um, and, and, not in the minor leagues as much. I'm sure maybe the Cubs have things on the back end that they probably tell you about, but right. uh, w- when you get up to the, to the big leagues, yeah, how much, 
like who do you look at there that that really is someone that that you st- that stands out to you as someone that you like to emulate yourself after in the outfield is you, you can look at the advanced data and things like that, but also you could just watch the video of guys that you just know are doing the right things. Uh, even a recent guy like Michael Harris is is incredible to watch out there. But I mean, guys that maybe you've been watching for longer uh, through the years, who, who's somebody that you like to model your game after in in the outfield? Shoot, Michael Michael Harris is is the truth that guy is he's really good out there um and he could throw that thing too but um shoot i'd say i'd say him but growing up it was like it was like mccutcheon obviously griffey like i'll say that all the time you know some of the just some of the catches he made are are absolutely spectacular and really difficult people to understand um You know, Bader, Harrison Bader. Yeah. Um, but, like, recently, too, like, you see, like, Alec Thomas out there. He's so spatially aware out there. He's so good finding the wall, playing playing with the wall, working with the wall, not, you know. I, I don't know, man. There's, there's so many talented defenders. And that's the sad thing is, like, it doesn't get all that much credit, you know, like. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny, too, because a lot of the times, you know, if you're talking about Michael Harris or you're talking about, uh, you know, McCutcheon, like, you're talking about their bat a lot of the time. So it's like any way you try and talk about defense is always going to get overshadowed a little bit. So that's why I just, you know, I spent my time on YouTube looking up outfield play and stuff like that, you know, like just, just going kind of trying to go over the top. But I think, like I said, you learning stuff from my teammates, you know, how they carry themselves, how they move, same thing. Like watching Mike Harris play outfield this year, watching Bader play outfield when he was, you know, on the Cardinals was when I first started watching him and McCutcheon on the pirates, just stuff like that. Like, doesn't matter what position you're in baseball wise, where you're at in your career. Like you watch the best do it. Like it, it makes a, it makes a difference for you. So you have this successful season and now you're, you're working through this off season. What's been the focus for you to, to try to build off of what you just did in that first full season uh, that you did so many things so well, you know, now you're potentially going to make a huge jump, which is high A to double A is always a big time challenge. You know, what's been your focus through this off season leading into next season to, to get yourself right or, or get your game to another level that, that you want to get it to. I think uh, this off season is, is a little different for me just because it's the most time I've had to, um, to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I, when I sat down with, with some of the, the people in the Cubs organization and, and talked about the, like our goals, you know, a lot of the talk was, Hey, let's, uh, let's just be ready to contribute, you know, and this is like a, a general way to sum it up, but let's just be ready to contribute as, as soon as possible. Like everything you do now is to prepare for a possible call up, you know, whenever that comes. So they're like, you know what, you know, we're going to minimize the swings a little bit. You swung a lot your first year, like you said, 400 and however many plate appearances. Um, so I think like with that, like minimizing the swings, really focusing on recovery, I'm getting my body right. You know, like that's, that's probably the biggest thing is getting stronger and, and faster. But, um, you know, I think when I go back into swings, it'll just be about feel. Um, you know, I, I really think that I was in a good spot last year, but I hit from a lot of different spots. You know, I, I, my hands were in a lot of different places. I, you know, my feet were, were different from time to time. And, um, I think if I can search for consistency, then that will help me with that, with that jump from, from high A to double A. Cause you know, I'm, I'm going to have to be more stingy of a hitter. I'm going to have to, um, you know, try and work those walks a little bit more. I know that as I, as I get up. So 
um, mastering the movement, man, mastering my craft as a, as a hitter. I just want to, I want to feel it. Um, so that's what I'm searching for, I guess, is consistency this off season. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? And and that's something yeah. that so many hitters have talked about that I've had on here, just finding those moves that work for them and then just, just repeating it. And uh, tinkering can, can be good and bad, right? And now is the time to kind of do that. So would you say now through this offseason, you're kind of just trying to find that right feel and and roll yeah. with it to, to go into next year? And did you feel like there were any points in time last year where you, where you may have found that feel? And are you trying to go back to one of those or something new Absolutely. that you've been playing with a little bit? Absolutely. Like one thing that I think about sometimes is, is, you know, I'll, I'll watch video. I, I, the only video that I have on my phone that I've saved on my phone is, is like the best swings that I feel like I've taken. I don't see any, any value in watching stuff. You're doing bad. You should always be searching for like the best possible, you know, image for yourself. Right. It's about manifesting and all that stuff for me at least. But, um, you know, I, I just, I watch all the home runs I've hit and I, I, I can, I can sort of remember what that felt like. Right. So, searching for every little thing that I felt was, was great that I did. Um, and yeah, just trying to find that this off season, but also like taking all of those feelings and, and just shaping it into what, you know, I think is going to work best for me at the time. But I, yeah. And, and like the tinkering thing, like I tinker and I think that's okay. Uh, I just think if you're going to, you know, completely change things up and, you know, it affects what you're doing at the plate, like that's yeah. obviously, you know, you got to stop that, but I think tinkering is okay to a certain extent. Oh, makes sense. And and so what would be a successful 2023 for Pete Carl Armstrong? Uh, wherever I'm at, just to be able to, I mean, winning felt good last year, right? Like going through a, a full second half with South Bend, a full first half awesome with, with Hurdle. Great, both great spots to be like we were, I, we were winning in both places. Right. So just being with a consistent team, um, going through the the ups and downs of a season with the same group of guys was such a good feeling coming out on top. So it honestly doesn't matter where I'm at next year, where I finish. I just, I'm searching for that again, another, another ring in the Cubs organization. And, you know, if that's in double, double A, uh, that's great. If that's in double A AA and triple A, that's great. If that's in the big leagues, like that's obviously the goal. Right. So yeah, just I'm I'm we're looking to win. And that's kind of all that's on my mind, man. I'm starting to get the itch again. I want to go play. I want to go. Yeah, I want to go with my boys, you know, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. That'll that'll be a successful 2023. And that's what stands out to me with this Cubs system is is it seems like a lot of you guys are are, are, are good friends and enjoy playing with each other. And, and it seems like there's a really nice group there of, of guys that are really excited to, to climb through the ranks together. Uh, Absolutely. The, the one thing that that really stands out to me, too, with with what you guys are building there is that it, it seems like each team in the organization, either one at a certain level um, or or one at all, uh, you know, even from double A yep. to triple A or whatever it may be. So Michael Harris, he did, you know, make that jump from double. And if we're, if we're talking about Michael Harris and, you know, I know you can only control what's in front of you, but you talk about what the Cubs said to you. And, and ultimately the goal is always to get to the big leagues as soon as possible. But having that conversation with the Cubs, seeing guys like Michael Harris, Von Grissom, make those jumps from double A. And especially when Harris has a very, you and Harris have very similar games that translates kind of quickly. Like you said, even if the bat's not totally there, you're going to offer a lot of value with the glove from day one. How do you balance those super lofty goals while also staying in the moment and just trying to win ball games in, in high A, double A, wherever, triple A, wherever you are? Yeah, that's that's uh that's a good question. Um like 
whenever somebody new gets called up to the big leagues, especially if they're an outfielder, like if they're a Mike, Mike Harris type or uh, when, when Alec Thomas got called up, when whatever, you know, like Stephen, like all those guys, those are all guys that I'm looking forward to competing against at the highest level. So whenever a new one gets up there, I'm like, all right, I'm shooting for you next. Uh, just to be like that next yeah. guy that's talked about like that, you know, but like, I, like there's no rush. I don't feel any rush to get up mm-hmm. to the big league. So it's, it's good that I can just, you know, I can be here because what, what the Cubs want for me for, or from me for me is, is what I want to do. You know, yeah. I want to get up there when they need me, when they want me up there and when, you know, we're in a, we're in a position to, to win and compete. And so whenever that comes, like, that's when I'm going to be ready and that's when I'm supposed to be up there. But like, that's, what's cool about it is you always got something to shoot for or something to think about, you know, obviously we want to win another world series like 2016, but um, that will always be on our mind, I think. And so like getting to use other guys like, like Mike or, or even Merv, like, I want to catch Merv because I'm just excited <laughs> to play with him, you know, but I'm, I want to be up there so I can play with these guys and build off these guys, and especially with, with what we got in, in, in the Cubs organization specifically, like it's just, it's, it's exciting times around the place. It feels like stuff's happening, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a crazy energy that's there. So, you know, time will tell. That's all I'll say. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I'm just excited. I know, I know Cubs fans are hoping that day comes as soon as possible. And, and I know they are very excited about your future uh, with the Cubs and and I am as well. It was awesome to watch you play this year and, and I can't wait to see you continue to climb through. Congratulations on an awesome, awesome season. And I can't wait to see how you build on that next year, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to hop on. Uh, I appreciate it. This was a blast. Good talking to you, man.